1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel, coming to you live from the World Headquarters here in Durham. J.J., spring is in the air. Camps have officially opened. Yay! Uh, we had college baseball last weekend Yay! live, which was outstanding. Much more to come this weekend. Yay! Uh, prospect season pretty much over. Time to have real games, which is also awesome. But J.J., we we're, ra- were wrapping a print edition of the magazine today, doing our usual stuff online, uh, in print, and our, both of us were just stunned, shocked by the news uh, that we'll lead off with, which was Dexter Fowler signing a one year, $15 million contract with the Chicago Cubs. Now, Dexter Fowler is not a superstar, but he's a good player. Um, he was a Cubs center fielder last year and had one of his best seasons of his career. But the Cubs seem to have taken care of center field, at least for the short term, by signing Jason Hayward in the offseason. Their outfield corners were seemed to be set with Kyle Schwarber and Jorge Soler. Chris Chris Coglin
2: around. Matt Caesar to be the fifth outfielder, fourth outfielder off the field. He's on the
1: 40 man roster. You can always sneak Ben Zobrist out there in case you want to play Javier
2: Baez at second base. And Arzmendi Alcantara is like, hello, hello. (laughs) Yes, you
1: are. Um, So the Cubs already had plenty of options without Dexter Fowler. They seemed very uh, ready to let him walk, JJ. But now he didn't walk, and now he gives the Cubs. It's just very strange. We're living in a strange time, JJ, where we have some uh, out of left field, some, some guys from a skit. Only would have been a skit eight years ago at Saturday Night Live for Donald Trump to be running for president. He's very seriously running for president now, right now. And it would have been a skit 20 years ago with George Will on, being imitated by Dana Garvey on Saturday Night Live talking about the Cubs winning a World Series but here we have the Cubs winning 97 games last year, winning a playoff series, and what they've done in the offseason and adding Dexter Fowler. Am I crazy? Or are the Cubs clearly the favorite in Major League
2: Baseball in 2016? I think you, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say a favorite. They are one of the favorites. And the thing that jumps out to me about it is, is that I've always said the Cubs, the Cubs are always a team that I, there's no other way to put it for years and years and years and years. They've punched below their weight. They yes. should be. They always should be a behemoth. Correct. They're, I mean, they're in a city. They have a, a fan base where they should be a behemoth. And instead, what has actually ended up happening is is that for many years, I mean, it's the criticism of the Cubs, and it's a fair one, which was they were knew they would be successful. Financially. At, financially. Whether they won 95 or they won 70. Yep. And that was a curse in many years. But now what we are seeing is, is, again, if you said something, if I told you 20 years ago that the Cubs would go out and snatch away free agents that other teams thought they had landed because they were willing to spend money, and oh yeah, by the way, we'd be sitting here with spring training having started and the Yankees have not made literally any big free agent move. Yeah, not, one,
1: not one significant free agent signing. Yeah, the, the biggest moves of the offseason were two trades. Castro from the Cubs mm-hmm. and, uh, and Aroldis Chapman. So the Cubs have been the biggest players. They've been the biggest movers
2: and shakers. And they are the, the, the thing I just wanted. I mean, the depth. the Flexibility. Truly, and this is a, a, a Joe Madden hallmark. I mean, this is a raise approach. The Rays approach was always there literally would never be a raise player who you say, if that guy goes down, this team's sunk. Partly because, I mean, they did have Longoria and all, but they always had options. Yeah, they could replace Nevin Longoria, but they always had options where if that guy gets hurt, we this guy can play here and here and here. Right. Well, the Cubs now, with Joe Madden, have taken that to a truly, you just you just summed it up. I don't know right now, what is Jason Hayward's main position going to be? It's outfield. He breaks, he breaks. Matt, Eddy will be very unhappy because he
1: can't list somebody as just center field or corner outfield he's going to probably play as much center field as he plays right field. Dexter or if hey, Soler just became the most
2: overqualified left
1: fielder in, you know. Or, or Dexter Fowler at $15 million became the highest paid fourth outfielder in the major leagues. Because really, uh, the, it, I would hate to play the Cubs in softball when you have four outfielders. Because Schwarber, a softball player if there ever was one, Fowler, Hayward, and Soler, you can't play all four of those guys at the same time, J.J., I mean, it's still you can, new... but
2: you're, you're going to have a little bit of sketchy defense behind the plate.
1: Well, I would not want to play the Cubs in the league because they have the <laughs> they have the ready-made DH and Schwarbs. Um I presume at some point Kyle Schwarber will play some catcher this year. Last year they liked to use him when Kyle Hendricks pitched, so maybe that's another way. I think they it's use about one day. The... I think it's
2: about yeah. Once I... every
1: five days, you can you can roll him behind the plate because you can catch Kyle Hendricks. Doesn't have overwhelming velocity, um, but the Cubs offensively, lineup-wise, JJ, it's hard to remember a team, and this is even back to the era that was, you know, the guerrilla ball era of Major League Baseball. It's hard to remember a team that's as athletic and as versatile and as deep in its lineup. As they are. Right, because
2: when I think deep lineup, I always go back to the Indians of right. the late Right, That's I mean, the one I was thinking dude, When of. you think of deep lineup, you think of it's like, okay, wait, where, where did Jim Tomei bat in that lineup? Wait, where did Manny Ramirez bat? I think the, the They were the second three hole in cleanup hitters, basically. I would think
1: of a, 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 a pigeon hole the 95 Indians, that team that scored 840 runs in 140 games, or was it a year later? I, yes. I forget which team it was, but that, that era where you had. Tony Pena and Sandy Alomar as their characters, which is pretty funny. But Paul Sorrento, Bayerga when he was good, Vizquel, Bell, Lofton, uh, Manny Ramirez, those were uh ridiculous lines. Yeah, Jim Tomey at third base. Third base Jim Tomy, kinda hard to hard to remember that he played third Oh, I base. remember. <laughs> JJ's career uh fixation on Jim Tomey lasted the entire Jim Tomey career. That team was first in the major leagues in runs. On base, batting, slugging, OPS. And stolen bases, by the way, <laughs> they as well. Were, they were pretty good. That was a knot of jugger. But, um, this 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 team, there's no 50 home run guy. <laughs> At least I don't think so. Maybe not. Maybe there Chris is. Chris Bryant
2: says, um, wait a second. Jorge
1: Soler says, uh, <laughs> un momento, por favor. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo, 30 home runs. So they do have... Schwarber's like,
2: just give me 155 games. I mean,
1: basically, only at catcher and at shortstop are they not yet. Like, Miguel Montero, at his peak, was a well-above-average offensive catcher.
2: I think he's a little past his peak. He's an eight-hole hitter on this team. Addison Russell... or Seven, because of... Right, Addison Russell, I guess, the nine-hole The pitcher is the eight-hole hitter, and then Addison Russell's the nine-hole. But that's a dangerous nine-hole guy. If you told me that Addison Russell this year broke through and was one of the better-hitting shortstops in the National League, wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Correct. No, this is absolutely. a guy who's hit throughout his minor league career. He had a little bit more of an adjustment period than you know some of the other Cubs guys did last year. At the same time, he was also one of the youngest guys in the National League. Right. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I mean, the funny part about this is we said, where does Schwarber play? Where does Soler play? And I come back with, where does Javier Baez play? I mean,
1: Javier Baez... Two years ago, after the 2013 season, you know, Chris Bryant had a great debut, uh, finished the year in the Florida State League, I think he had nine home runs, and uh, had hit 31 in the regular season, but, you know, Javier Baez had hit like 37 in that regular season, and had finished at A. and yeah, he struck out, but so would Bryant a lot, and Baez was playing shortstop and hitting all those home runs, and we gave them the same grade in the handbook that year, J.J., they were both 70 mediums. But we had Baez one and Bryant two. It was the first year I did the Cubs prospect list, and I remember going back and forth, back and forth. Pretty much everyone in the Cubs system said, "We love Chris Bryant, but I just don't see how we can say that he has a higher ceiling than a shortstop than Javier hits, Baez, a
2: shortstop who hits thirty-seven home runs and in, there was as a, yeah, as a twenty, basically as a twenty-twenty.
1: I think he was younger. Uh, I mean, he probably is still younger. And, and there was just such, there was this <laughs> nagging. If he was doubt. younger,
2: I will say he still is. <laughs> there was that he nagging... either was or he's not. This That's is right. not the late 90s or the early odds where go. Yeah, he's not Pablo hey. Zuna. Pablo Zuna was younger than him, and now he's a lot older than him. But
1: we, we had no idea, and it was, uh, yeah, he's a full. Javi Baez is almost a full year younger than Bryant. Bryant's January 92, Baez is, January, is a December of 92. So we gave the edge to Baez.
2: And uh, and Brian is a better. I mean, I, I, I you know I don't think it's close right now. As good as Javier Baez could be, right? I don't think it's clearly. It's not close. I'm going to take the guy. I'll take the guy who I've already. You know, you already have a dominant rookie of the year season in his yes. back pocket. The
1: best 199 strikeout season in baseball history. But Javier Baez, Javier Baez
2: is like, I can get you to 199 exactly. strikeouts. Wait for <laughs> not it. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. <laughs>
1: Um but where does he play? JJ, what is his future? What happens his right now is to his, Alcantara, Alcantara.
2: He's playing in Iowa if he's not traded. I mean he he is. But this is the question now that the Cubs. This is a good problem to have. Yes. Kyle Schwarber even. You have the question. Okay. Kyle, that was a great second half of the season. 16 homers in the regular season. You're already our career postseason home run champ we've already enshrined a home run ball that you hit, right. you know, on top of the, you know, <laughs> out of Wrigley. All these things. And you actually have to ask the question. Are you better served sending Schwarber, not for the whole season or anything like that? Right. But, you know what? This first month we're going to send you back to Iowa just let you work on catching so that we can catch you we feel like another month, another 2 months and you'll be able to catch more often. It's yeah. unlikely that they will do that. It's really hard to do that to someone who has already proven that they're one of the better hitters you know, in, the AL, in the NL Central, at least. Right. I won't say the league, but in the NL Central. Okay. To use, a, to use an older term that has fallen into disfavor, one of the more feared hitters
1: yes. in the National League Central.
2: Yeah, oh, he's absolutely one more feared. Javier Baez. Javier Baez, I, I will say, you, the thing that the Cubs could do here is, is that they could say Javier Baez is going to play four games a week, and not have a position.
1: Yeah, that that will be the challenge. Is can is, Javi Baez do that? Can he turn into that? We've had these hints over the last year, year or so. That can he be kind of like this new Ben Of course, the old ben, <laughs> ben Zobrist is like yeah. Okay. Um, no, he doesn't walk like me. So, no. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, but, but that's but but can he be that super that Swiss Army knife kind of player? The thing is, is if you do that. The crazy thing, and the Cubs start the season should be looking. I mean, you don't want to get cocky, but the Cubs obviously should be looking. How are we set up in October? And one thing with that is, is that it's not going to be great for their counting stats. But the reality of this is that the Cubs have the ability, if they want to, to say, literally, no one on this team is going to play 150 plus games.
1: Really, you wonder if Joe Madden like has been uh, talking to Greg Popovich of like uh, to go cross. Cross
2: comp. You know what? Anthony Rizzo is not going to make this West Coast road trip. I'm saying,
1: like, seriously, like, if <laughs> you're not playing this in this series, you're getting this series off. I mean, but seriously, I'm with you to manage their playing time. We're talking about this as if the Cubs have won the Central, they have. And obviously, the Pirates won 98 games last year, and the Cardinals won 100, while well, the Cubs won 97 games. But it is hard to look at their roster, JJ. There's almost no way you can imagine that they're not going to be a productive offense. What would have to happen? For their the, offense to not be
2: one of the most productive in baseball. The, the, only th- the biggest scenario I can come up with is, is that guys don't respond well to not being in the lineup every day. Yeah, that would be the only thing I can think of. But it is really true that Anthony Rizzo is really valuable to that team. Okay, let's say that tomorrow I you know I have to take Anthony Rizzo out of the lineup for something you know he's got an injury or whatever. Okay, well Schwarber, let's get your first baseman or, or, or Chris, Bryant. Chris Bryant. You move over there, Javier Baez. You are a third baseman. Okay, let's pick somewhere else. Shortstop. Asin Russell's down. Javier Baez, here's your spot. Yep. Okay, second Asin base. As it was in
1: the playoffs.
2: <laughs> second base. Ben Zobris goes down. Javier Baez, here's your spot. And by the way, again, Arzmendi, sorry, you're still not even coming up to the big leagues. In and that.
1: they have Tommy Stella. Right. He's a good, like, Tommy Lastella's a like nice pinch hitter type guy to have because he's a, that short swing, low maintenance. I bet you he makes the roster lefty bat off the bench.
2: And here's the thing, swing. though. The, here's the thing that the Dexter Fowler move does do. If you were being, before the Dexter Fowler move, the only center fielder they really had was Jason Hayward. I mean, because Chris Bryant, right. you can put out there, but I'm not thinking that Chris Bryant is your everyday center fielder. Right. Jason Hayward, who has had injury problems in the past. Correct. If something had happened to Jason Hayward, it had have been Matt Caesar or Arzmendi as- or, or, again, Javier Baez learning on the fly or Albert Almora, who we're yeah. not even bringing up. With so the style, At
1: least the- you can hit him eight or nine hole. And just let them go
2: play defense and learn it. And it's not like that; these are horrendous, horrendous options in any in any way, all shape, or form. Quality options, but it does mean that instead of that, now you have literally two center fielders, you have two to two legitimate right fielders, you have. Like, five, three, really. Because Chris Bryant, you can put Chris Bryant in right field. Well, how
1: about Ben Zobrist?
2: Or Ben Zobrist, yes. you have. Yes, <laughs> I know he's 35. But, yes, no, Ben Zobrist can play right field every bit as well as he can play second. He could still
1: probably play a little fill-in shortstop.
2: You know, I, wouldn't, I st- wouldn't go that far with him. But third base? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He did third, you know, that's...
1: I mean, Bryant played third base, left field, right field, center field, first base last year. He started games at all those positions for the Cubs. And that's a rookie doing that. And... Um, there, so their athleticism, versatility, options offensively and still does seem, the thing that could sink this team, J.J., clearly, is pitching. But you I don't what? think you can expect them to get what they got out of Jake Gary out of him you again. Can't, you can't expect that out of anyone. Hey, you, know, you
2: can't expect that out of Clayton Kershaw or Zach Greinke.
1: I expect that out of Kershaw. i be honest with you. He is on another level. Um, but Lester and Lackey, hey, you know, last time they got together, there was a lot of chicken, a lot of beer. It didn't go so high. No. So, I think it'll go better this year. Yes. Um, they have older catchers with Montero and uh, David Ross. I mean, I'm trying to Again, think. Again, Wellington Castillo
2: is going to be in AAA. Oh, well, yeah, Wilson Contreras. You you know, it's gonna, yeah, sorry. Wilson Contreras. That was terrible. They used to have Wellington Castillo. Yes, they used to have Wellington. I'm thinking, I'm still freaked out about my Diamondbacks catcher situation. You household. are. <laughs> I, I obsessed about Diamondback catchers for some reason. but oh, uh, It's a good reason. But... But no, you you do look at it. And but the other thing that they've done, and this is a much more of an under the radar move, but the Cubs have also gone out there, and they have just hoovered up every semi intriguing AAA minor league with an invite. You know, we'll sign this guy and bring him to big you know to big league camp kind of guy. And the idea is is that they're just gonna they're gonna that those fifth sixth seventh innings. They're going to overwhelm with numbers.
1: Yeah, that was the Chris Coghlan deal. They traded Chris Coghlan for Aaron Brooks to the not athletes. a major deal. Not a major deal. Um, and but he just he adds to the story that JJ, you're talking about. So the the Cubs kind of your fungible uh, you know pitchers uh, that Spencer Patton is in this group and Dury Acevedo, whom they signed, uh, put on the 40 man roster as a minor league free agent. Dallas Beeler's in this group. They went out and got Rex Brothers. Last year they found Trevor Cahill. Uh, C.J. Edwards, Carl Edwards Jr., former John Manuel Cheeseball, had to back off that train. Um, now that he's moved to the bullpen. Eric Jokish is part of this deal as a left-hander. Um, Neil Ramirez, Clayton Richards, C.J. Uh, you know, And then they, the trade they made with the Yankees for uh, with Starlin Castro, brought over Adam Warren, who's started some, he's relieved some, he wants to start. He's a nice six starter to have if Jason Hamble or one of these other veterans gets right. And he
2: also is is that, but right now you're thinking again. Come October, he's coming. Come come October, he should be on. If it goes well, he should be in your postseason bullpen.
1: Travis Wood has filled this role already for them. Past All Star, Travis Wood. So their depth again. That's the hallmark of the roster, JJ. So yes, the Cubs not
2: to use an old to, to use a joke that we use around the office. You know. Going back to the first year that Theo Epstein was in Boston and you were gathering 40-man rosters, you see 28 (laughs) on the uh, roster, you email Theo and basically say, is this it? And he goes, who needs 40? Yeah. This year the Cubs are saying, no, 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 we need 40. We're going to have up and down. We're going to go beyond 25.
1: That's it. We're going to use all 40. And that's really how it seems for them. They could use all 40. And, J.J., I think the, uh, the negative here for the rest of the division is uh, contending with that. And I think it's going to be very difficult for the Cardinals among
2: other teams. Because the Cardinals, let's be honest, I mean, they were the team. They, they've been the juggernaut of the mm-hmm. NL Central. They've been the best team in the National League in in odd number of years. I've got to say the Giants are the best team in the even The regular season. The regular season. They've, been, they've been the
1: best team in the yeah. National League basically since 2004. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been a couple years here or there where they weren't. I think they have one losing season and all that. But, but they've been the most consistent franchise in the
2: National League for a decade. If you're a Cardinals fan right now, though, you've got to be a little nervous. Because for one, I mean, the big thing is is that the Cardinals are not the same team when Yadier Molina is not healthy Correct. and playing. And <clears throat> Yadier Molina is potentially not healthy and not playing. Correct. That's a concern. But also, their offseason, they've gotten worse.
1: That, that, that's all there is to it for me, is they are not the favorite in this division anymore. Not on paper. And, uh, you know, they, they, their outfield was formidable last year, deep, varied. It is less so this year. They're really, you know, if they don't get a big year out of Randall Gritchick or and, and Steven Piscotty, they're in trouble. Those are two of their biggest right-handed bats, and they need them every day. And neither of those guys, who well, I like both of them, but neither one has been an everyday guy in the big leagues yet. If one of those guys doesn't step forward, it's Tommy Pham, Again, personal cheese ball. Love Tommy Pham, but uh, Matt Holliday's getting older. They're gonna work about some at first base. You might see all three of those guys in the outfield. Hey, it might work out,
2: but they've they're a but lot. But they do not bigger. have again. When we're just talking about the insane depth exactly. that the Cubs have, <clears throat> the Cardinals, and the reality is, is that puts them like most teams. Right. They're a mortal, normal team. That's right. They they're you know, well, we're, we're, we've got a weakness here, but you know what? We're going to be strong here. We can make up for that. You that's know, exactly that's what they're That's they how are. teams normally are constructed. They could still win 100 games
1: because they're the Cardinals. <laughs> they have <laughs> really good players, they have extremely good leadership, and especially when Bellina's there, they're not going to give this division up willfully.
2: But, but you're know. like, okay, let's go to the Pirates for a yeah. second. And the reality is, the game with the Pirates. Also,
1: it's, I to, real yeah. quick. I want to touch on the Cardinals. You, you seem to be pretty high on oh the Korean pitcher that they picked. I think he
2: sounds a, pretty interesting. I, I do. I, I think he's a solid, I, I solid reliever. That's what they hired him. You know, that's what they signed him to be. But you look at his stuff. I've watched some of you know his games. You know from you know YouTube is a, a, a yeah. truly wonderful, amazing thing. It is. It's you know, amazing. and 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 the thing about it is, is that you know you, you, it's stuff again. I as I've prefaced many a time. This is just what I'm seeing, and I'm not saying that's the you know that's a informed opinion, but it's not uh, you know right. And I'm not I'm not, not a 20 year scout doing this or anything like that. But the stuff looks like stuff that plays. I mean, it's legit. There's velo again, and I love.
1: I think he also fits what they need because out of the bullpen last year, other than Rosenthal, right handed setup relief. You know, Seth Manis was a little up and down for them last year. Uh, you know, Carlos Villanueva. Has been generally inconsistent over the course of his career. I, I think this is a, a a good pickup for St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Uh, I think he he fits for them. Uh, but between the, like he and Jed Jerko are like they're two big offseason acquisitions that does does not uh, you know they didn't need to make a ton of improvements after. Right, you, but they lost Jason. But they Hayward. lost Hayward. They lost Lackey, who was the only guy who started two playoff games for them. And Lance Lynn is injured. So I think it was a net minus for St. Louis.
2: And again, you look to the Pirates. Pirates. When we talk about the insanity that is the Cubs lineup, and you look at the Pirates and you say, okay, so who's the first baseman? Oh, John Jaso. Yeah, okay. John
1: Jaso, Michael Moore, slash Jason Rogers, Platoon.
2: Now, again, we don't think that that's going to be the, the long-term answer there. We think that that's, a, you know, that, that's the keeping it warm until Josh bell, the bell arrives. Holds, yes. But that being said, it's an understandable... That's, you do that... Because you have to find an answer that's inexpensive. I mean, the reality of it is, is that I understand even where they can make the argument. You know what? We may be better there than we were with Pedro Alvarez. That's possible. I like John so's bat. I, I will say this: at the price of what you were paying, it's a it is more bang for your buck. Probably yes. But yes. again,
1: and and you'll save a little money on the post game spread. But again, fat guy
2: making fat jokes did it again. But again, at the same time. You look at that and you say, okay, let's not. Uh, this is not where the Cubs in 2016 are, is where they go, you know, John right. Jaso, Michael Moore. Uh, John Jaso,
1: by the way, who has played five innings in his major league career at first base
2: coming into this season, according how to BaseballReference.com. As, as how hard is it to play first base? I, it's very hard. And, uh, and Josh Bell, exactly. with the Pirates, <laughs> can tell him in camp. Oh, it's it's hard. It's exactly. very hard. I've better at it.
1: Playing first base is easy, right, Wash? It's very
2: hard. I mean, Josh <laughs> Bell got better as the season went along, but he struggled to make that adjustment. The outfield looks easy compared yeah. to first base for you know for Josh.
1: You're Bell. very active at first base. Hey, if John Jason can be the next guy, Haddeberg, awesome. I like right. that. But
2: that's again, that is you're saying then that you are okay. We'll get adequate production here, right? And we're counting on that we will get really good production elsewhere. And again. Obviously, they have an outfield that can help on that because they have three outfielders who are They have stunned. a tremendous
1: outfield. They have a tremendous outfield. I Starling like Marte,
2: if, if, if Jorge Soler ends up playing left field, him and Starling Marte could have an NL Central battle on. The left s- fielder that no one, you know, like... A skills challenge. You know, no one runs on Marte, sure. no one runs on Soler. I mean, that would be fun, actually. That would be fun. Because, but- I mean... I think what Marte was like what eighteen assists last year.
1: I think so, something like that.
2: Something I like the like the Pirates fans Twitter just you know like every time someone you know it always would pop up in my feed when someone tried to run on Marte. And uh, the
1: the, he, well, I, I still like their pitching, you know. At the same time, um, Charlie Morton was kind of an important piece for them for several years. There's just been churn. Uh, Jay and they know Jay was, J-Hap J-Hap was great be for hurt. them.
2: There's, there's going to be churn with the That's Pirates, it. and you know what? I will say this: that the Pirates have earned. Some absolutely expectation that when they take a guy and say, oh, we'll see what we can do like with when this.
1: they trade Neil Walker for John Neese, I'm like, ooh, John Neese <laughs> in Pittsburgh, that could get interesting. Sinker ball, left hander, and a ballpark that's really hard for right handed hitters to hit power in, John Neese could take a nice little jump up. He's he he checks a lot of the same boxes that Jay Hap checks. So you'd like you know that that's a guy who has capacity for growth. They do have Tyler Glasgow and Josh Bell. And perhaps James Tyone.
2: throwing off the mound, all of whom could
1: impact their major league roster in a significant way in 2016. I still like the Cardinals. I still like the Pirates.
2: But you just Brewers look- and Reds still gaining acceptance, yeah, and that's going to help all three of these teams when you talk about because. Really Someone's trying for the wild card when it's all said and done.
1: The Brewers and the Reds really are like the 12 year old playing Dan Quayle in SNL in mean, 88. It's like, God oh, golly, I'm going to do swell this year. You know, That's those two teams.
2: It is going to be. I mean, but, but that the is Cubs, something.
1: The Cubs could run away and hide. Even in a division with three outstanding organizations, they really could. Just up and down, they have so few questions, they could really run away and hide.
2: I, again, let's try to map out what is your. I would call it worst-case scenario. I mean, okay, worst-case scenario. Obviously, injuries always gonna happen. I think
1: it involves pitching. It's like the pitching right. staff. If Jake
2: Arrieta goes down, the reality is this. I think if Jake Arrieta goes down, you're talking about a playoff team, but you're talking about a playoff team that when they get to the playoffs just doesn't have the the pitching firepower right. to compete. Because, again, you get to the playoffs, and then you are going to – they don't win a battle of aces. Because as good as – John Lester could be a – I love the idea that John Lester's your number two.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: But I don't want him to be my number. I don't want him to be the number one. I want him to be the number two. I don't. I'm not. You know, John Lackey is fine. Well, just in the National League,
1: if you want, if you're matching up Lester in a playoff series with the with the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright, I mean Adam Wainwright. I know he's come off an Achilles, but I'll take Adam Wainwright. If you're matching him up with the Dodgers, I'll take Clayton Kershaw. If you're matching him up with the Diamondbacks, yes. I'll take Greinke. If you're matching up with the Giants, I'll take Bumgarner. If you're taking him up with the Mets, I'll take one, two, and three. That's and that's four. the problem, and that's <laughs> and that's the problem. I mean, but with Jake Arrieta, you, at his best, you have that fighting chance. That is the caveat. Arrieta did throw 229 innings last year, just in the regular season. Seemed like he got a little tired in the postseason. That's the guy but who's again, going to be treated like Tim Duncan this year.
2: The other part of this is, though, is... I guess
1: he's actually more like the... the, t- the uh, t- t- He's the man of Ginobili, you know. He's, he's got the weird hair that looks good in a,
2: in a onesie, pajama onesie. Uh, different kind of cat. But the other part of this is, is that this is the Cubs team we're talking about right now. And what we just established is the Cubs can also, if there is an, if there is a need... I mean, we don't know right now who's going to be the guys who are available come July. But there's depth. But if they need to make a deal, they are the team that can go out and trade someone and do it and say, our lineup will be fine. Right. And trade someone of significant value.
1: Someone, you have to imagine that either Albert Almora or Billy McKinney will have some trade value, if not both, in the first and half. I'm talking... Wilson Contreras is going to have some trade value. Ian Happ. This is a guy who could really hit, whether he's a second
2: baseman or whatever position he is, he could hit. But if you needed to raise it up a notch and you wanted to make a blockbuster deal, Javier Baez.
1: Oh, absolutely. Great point. And that has actually, J.J., That's we've seen that in the last Soler. two years of major league-ready, controllable, low-cost talent is greater currency even than prospects. Right. I've, and they have that. You're right.
2: Jorge Soler should be more valuable than any of the prospects they have in the minors because the reality is, for one... Jorge, like you talk about their outfields. Jorge Soler has better tools than any than McKinney or Almora. Right. He just does. Yeah. Or, but Bias. He's also, or you know uh Baez, I would say may Bias, Soler has a better track record of big league success than Baez. But I would yeah, say Baez has, has better tools. Baez has better tools. Yeah, no,
1: I think he does. That's yeah. what I thought I would say. But yeah, Baez has better tools. Soler a little bit more polished hitter. But tool for tool. And Baez infielder over the outfielder.
2: But right. Yeah. But Soler is a you know Again, Solaire's a monster. <laughs> so I'll put it this way: I mean, you look at what you look at what assessment has got in the, uh, you know, what you know how he was traded midseason last year, and you say, okay, I know he's not at that level of track record of production, but considering that I would be trading for Jorge Solaire with, with some control, with four years or so. Of,
1: well, I think it's more than that. Isn't his contract like? Did not he sign a nine-year contract when so, he signed?
2: So you're talking about... I mean, you really are talking about that would be a massive trade ship. Again, and I'm not saying that they would do that because he's Jorge Soler. Right. They may but decide... They, they are
1: going to have multiple options, again, because of the depth and versatility of their of their Major League roster. It, it really is... I mean, it was already in place. You know, signing Dexter Fowler didn't make us think this. It just highlighted just how deep and just how versatile they are. So that... That little bit of news today. And yeah, Solaris is signed through 2020, JJ. Uh the next <laughs> years, as so it's three million this year, three million, four million, four million, four million. So yes, cost controlled right. and very um uh, very affordable.
2: The other part of this is is that and this is what allowed them, it, it comes back to, for one, as we've talked about on the podcast before, the Cubs are reaching the point of where they are minting money. This is yes. this is the other part of the Theo Epstein experience that you know, that we saw in Boston, which is is that when, not just Theo Epstein, but I mean, again, John Henry, yeah. throw them all together. But when the Red Sox started to be run at a much better level, one of the things with that also was, okay, if we're not leaving Fenway, let's turn Fenway into a giant... Cash machine. And it is. I mean, again, yeah, we can hit over someone over the head with later. Sorry. Why? Why were there not seats above the Green Monster before that? Yeah, you, you I, know,
1: seriously, it, it looks so obvious now. It's like what? the construction that's going on at Wrigley Field now, the modernization of that part going on now, that will make Wrigley Field seemingly a, a you know very
2: similar situation. Giant, giant cash machine. Okay. Well, what that allows you to do? That's part of it. But the other part of it is, is when you're entire, you just talked about Solaire. When you are paying Soler what you're paying Solaire and Bryant what you're paying Bryant and Baez and Russell and Schwarber and all these guys who are producing at, you hope and you expect, all-star caliber production, right? and you're paying them $550,000 here and $550,000 there, well, then that allows you to say, you know what? We don't need Dexter Fowler. They didn't need Dexter Fowler. Right. But when the opportunity arose and you go... You know, it's just one year. It. It's not. We're not locked into him for the next ten. Yeah, we can do that. After they already spent money on Zobrist, after they already spent money on Lackey, that's what it allows them to do. You, the combination of the Cubs finally being operated like a team that really, again, has that cares all, about winning and can still make money, <laughs> and has almost all the advantages of a Yankees or a Dodgers, those type teams where you say big market and giant fan base. Look, the White Sox. I understand if you're a White Sox fan, it's not the same. No. Yes, you are in a massive city, but you're sharing the market. The Mets, even before, like let's be honest, yeah. before basically their ownership went broke or pretty close to it, <laughs> even before that, it wasn't the same because it's not. You're the Mets, you're not the Yankees. Right. You can have your moments. They've had their moments,
1: and but sustaining it uh, proves very. It's difficult. It's more difficult. And part of it, the,
2: part of it, really isn't even just
1: the Mets. Part of it, really, with them is. The Yankees are just so good. The White Sox, even when I think it's almost harder for the White Sox in a way because they even won a World Series, and the whole city was kind of like, no, that's, "That's great. That's, nice. that's it. Let wake us up when the Cubs win one." Because imagine what it would have been like if the Cubs had won in 2003. Just two years later, the White Sox won, and they just win. They won in dominant fashion. Um, and I mean, I know that Chicago did respond.
2: But not like they would right, or will with the Cubs. The reality is, is that again, the Cubs, the Cubs have the same fan base advantage of a team like the Cardinals, but they're doing it in a city that's a lot, yeah, exactly. Lot bigger.
1: Um, JJ, last thing on the Cubs before we transition to you're going to spring training, so you will uh, we'll talk a little bit about what you're going to in Florida. Have you seen the writer that uh, George will has in his contract? His speaking, his writer when he goes to speak. If he's going to speak at your—I think this is on the smokinggun.com. I can't find it, but I believe it is that if, if uh, he's giving a speech and he's scheduled to talk, but he can go see a Cubs playoff game, he can break contract, no problem, and go to the Cubs playoff game. So um, that's going to be tested in a presidential election year. Just saying. I think it's going to be severely tested. So um, I also did want to mention, JJ, any of these free agents who are still available— You think so? The Orioles. Instead of talking about, we can talk about
2: spring training with you know me later. But let's wrap this up with this because we also have. I'm excited. You know, at the end of this, we also have a Juan Hillman interview. Got to talk to Juan Hillman, the Indians left hander, who was you know enjoy very enjoyable to talk to. Very fascinating story. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, uh, Juan Hillman, who comes from uh, one of the baseball powers Mm -hmm. because Olympia High in Orlando. Absolutely, it's the water. It is the you know it is big. It is. Future big leaguer is prospect after prospect after prospect. Guys get drafted out there seemingly every year. Last year it was Juan Hillman. The year before that was Nick Gordon.
1: Yeah, second round pick last year for the uh, for the tribe.
2: And then you know it was Nick Gordon the year before that. Then you go back a little bit. You've got That's Jesse, Jesse Weaker and
1: Walker White and Mason Williams. Yes, so, a lot a lot of guys. And and also like in a very uh, recent span of time. This is not uh, we're not talking Tate High School. There's no knock on Tate High School, but that was like Travis Fryman of Pensacola. And, Buck Showalter, and a lot of other players. No, we're players. talking this
2: is all in the last six, seven years.
1: I believe, actually, uh, Addison Russell might have gone to Tate High School. I know he's from that area, so he
2: may be the new... But, so we'll have that, uh, but I did want player. to talk, because the, the flip side of this is, is that, because, I mean, even now, we're we're all adjusted to it. But the shock of the moment when the tweet started coming out, like Gordon Wintermeyer tweeting out like, hey, you know, Dexter, Dexter Fowler's, Fowler's here. here. And everyone going, you know, wait, what is going on here? Because everyone he was signed, everyone believed that he was an Oriole. Yep. This was the Orioles' plan. They got Gallardo. It took a little longer than everyone had thought, but they got Gallardo. And once you get Gallardo, well, then giving up another pick to get Dexter Fowler, no big deal. And
1: that got, I got a lot of people on my Twitter feed, like, oh, they already lost it for Gallardo. They, lost, they had two first-round picks, their own at 14, which is the one they are giving up for signing Gallardo. And then at uh, twenty nine for the they got from the Marlins for Wei and Chin,
2: so they're giving up their second first round pick for Fowler. Instead, now congratulations, you get to keep your pick. The bad news is is you don't get Dexter Fowler. And I mean that's the that is interesting to me from the standpoint of this is a team that that Dexter Fowler was a good fit.
1: I think he was a good fit. The uh, Orioles don't really have a right fielder right now. They have their own uh, Korean outfielder. Uh, not just their own Korean. I'm already. Is ai uh, I don't, don't want to butcher his name. So I'm already forgetting his name. Um, but they also have. Uh, you know, obviously, they're set in center field um, with uh, Adam Jones. Dexter Fowler was not going to play uh, center field if he'd signed there. Um, the big question for Baltimore is: Yeah, you kind of have to go for it, JJ. When you have one more year, Matt Weeters. They picked up his. Uh, they gave him the qualifying offer. Uh, you've got a uh, pitching staff that needed Gallardo, uh, needed someone to replace and Chen's innings. They really don't have a number one or even like a true number two type starter. Uh, J.J. Hardy's not getting any younger. Adam Jones isn't getting any, young, any, any younger. As a team whose window seems to be closing, it feels like they should make some other move. But uh, right now, Dario Alvarez and Mark Trumbo are probably the right fielders because it's Kim and Nolan Reimold in left field. With Rule Fiver, Joey Rickard in the mix in left field or right field. Whom do they sign? I mean, the available free agents right now are guys like Austin Jackson. Do you, Could you lose a first-round pick for signing Austin Jackson? No, it don't. feels like you can't do that. No, 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 He was traded. Yeah, you're right. He was traded. No, like,
2: no, he, he was not, not tendered. If he Austin does, Jackson had been tendered. or well, he was traded during the years. Right, then, but if that that Austin Jackson had been tendered, he would sign that tender the moment it was so tendered. Alex
1: Rio, Shane Victorino, maybe you tried to sign... Pedro Alvarez, who does have, a, I believe, draft pick compensation attached? No. Uh, he's not He's not either? No.
2: I mean, and Pedro Alvarez, you don't sign Pedro Alvarez because Pedro Alvarez can't play a position that you have but, but you could
1: put Mark Trumbo in the outfield, or you could put Chris Davis in the outfield. I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying you can.
2: And I'm saying no. Okay. I'm saying that's not, a, that's not a viable option. I, I bet, do think. I
1: bet the Orioles wind up with Chris Davis playing an awful lot of outfield this year because those outfielders I just mentioned are brutal and you still have Trumbo, and you do have Christian Walker and Trey Mancini in the minor leagues, either of whom could produce more offensively than the other players we just mentioned. I, I think.
2: I mean, again, there is no good answer there. I mean, there's not. There's not there's a. There's not a good answer. There's not a good answer. Like again, you, you could go a different direction and say, okay, maybe you try to trade for Joe, you know, for Jay Pierce, uh, Jay Bruce.
1: Yes, he's probably. and that was that's a good way to wrap actually this part of a JJ. I think our reaction to the discussed Jay Bruce trade, the three team t- trade that would have sent Bruce to Toronto, but the initial Twitter pieces of news that came out of um, Angels involved in this deal, maybe we thought that Jay Bruce was going to the Angels, it turned out it would have been Michael Saunders, right? Mm-hmm. Going to the Angels and the Angels giving up prospects to the Reds. First, I think we both were underwhelmed by the, what the Reds got for as Chapman, but there are understandable reasons for that right. one. I,
2: I think if you, my, that was not, my criticism is not that I think that that is the best that they could have gotten that time. Yeah. Again, my criticism or was, close to it, yeah. No, my criticism with that is is simply you by trading him when they traded him, you were, you you took all the risk because you took the hit for this domestic violence, you know, right. poten- potential suspension and all. And the black eye, you you said, okay, let's trade him when his value in essence is the lowest, where if you basically waited that out and said, Let's see if there's a suspension. Yeah. Even if there is, let's have him serve his suspension as a red, and then let's see if we can get a better deal in June or July. The only risk you have there is if he gets hurt.
1: And then the other trade they made, I mean the Todd Fraser trade, I think we were both a little underwhelmed by their return there. I mean Jose Peraza really to believe in Jose Peraza in a significant fashion. Uh Scott yeah. Schiebler, what else did they get in that deal? Those are the two main Those prospects. Those are the two main recall. prospects. Mm. It was a little light for a third baseman and all star three. I like baseman, that one at least a little
2: better. I mean, just from the standpoint of I do think that Todd Frazier's second half collapse yeah, right. did hurt his value somewhat. I mean I do think but I did yeah, I love that deal for the White Sox.
1: But what could they possibly have gotten from the Angels? To make it worthwhile to give up Jay Bruce, I mean the Angels this are is, number thirty with an anvil. They're they're wily coyote, you know, with the, holding the anvil. The giant boulder about to land on his head, and he's holding up the little
2: umbrella. I mean, it's just not a good situation. Again, if you said okay, so That's let's, the let's trade, system. let's trade Taylor Ward and Jemai Jones and Nate, Nate Smith. Smith. I, again, now here's the problem: is that probably sufficient right now for Jay Bruce? It may be, it may, considering how he's played the last two years and he's making 12.5 million, maybe. But again, my problem with that is not well, for, that you, from the red standpoint. From the red standpoint. My problem with that from the red standpoint, if they did that, is not that there's a great a much better deal out there right now. The problem is is that, again, what is to be gained by doing that? the worst that can happen? I mean, yes, Jay Bruce could tank his trade value a little bit more right. by having an awful first half of the season. But the, the variance here is is much more on the upside than the low side. If Jay Bruce goes out and hits 200 with little power in the first half of the season, then you can trade him for Nate Smith beans. or Jemai Jones. Tra- trade him for the bag of beans that you were trading him for right. now. I mean, it's going to be slightly, okay, we didn't get Taylor Ward in the deal now. You'll live. But <laughs> on the other hand... If Jay Bruce's you know, knees a little better this year and he gets to swing back a little bit and you'd even get back close to the guy who what he was when he was 24, 25. If he's that guy again, then you turn around at midpoint season and you say, OK, then you are talking. Can we get a Michael Fulmer type deal with, you know, what you those kind of deals, which the upside of making a deal like that. And yes. Do remember, at that point, he's a $6 million deal.
1: And, and for me, the other thing with the Cubs, with the Reds is I wouldn't even trade for depth. I wouldn't trade for multiple prospects. Get some star power. If you trade Jay Bruce for one prospect, but it's a really up top 50 kind of prospect, I'd take that over three, you know, Angels prospects. You know, three guys who aren't sniffing the top 100.
2: That's that's kind of where I well and again. I, I mean, right now you can't get any of those guys for him. But the bright, but the but rest, that's what you wait. That's, that's what you. That's
1: wait. exactly. You try to get. You try to build it up. I, I don't. I don't think the depth trades is what the Reds farm system even needs, or what's right. going to help them win in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Again,
2: I, I think the only reason you're doing that trade that way is is that you're saying that's the only value you've got, and the like, only
1: value is shedding a right I mean, again, out of contract. you're
2: not getting that deal with the Angels. And saying you're doing because we want to get depth, you're doing it because you're literally saying this is the best. This is all have. you got. I mean, like if you said that the Blue Jays were the team who was trading prospects in the deal, okay, we'd be talking about something entirely different, right? But again we wouldn't be saying that they're, they're not getting Anthony Alford in that deal. Right. They're not getting Connor Green in that deal. Doesn't seem like it. You're talking about probably getting... DJ Davis. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and again, if those are the deals you're making, aren't you better off... Again, nowadays we aren't talking about a situation where you say, well, if we save $12 million here, we then can we immediately capable. can pour that into the draft. Right. And we're going to have the draft where we sign every high school guy who fell and we just go crazy on it.
1: You can't do that anymore. The only thing that you could re- the only way you could real allocate the money quickly is toward Cubans. And let's face it, time is running out. <laughs> Every Cuban
2: must go. You know what
1: have been saying the last time we talked about it? and, 190 12, million now,
2: and 12 million now. Focusing on Cubans is not going to get you. That's doesn't, that t- doesn't buy a lot. That, 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 that that's uh, that buys I, you a Yoan Lopez. That's right. And that's buyer
1: beware, caveat emptor on that one. So a lively discussion, JJ, for 45 minutes of. Uh, uh, just based off the Dexter Fowler signing and a couple of non-news pieces. That's that's how we roll at Baseball America. That's how you and I roll for sure. Uh, fun stuff. Uh, we'll come back next week. We're going to try to be a little bit more on point, a little bit more on schedule with weekly prospect Monday podcasts. and Thursday. Monday, Monday and Thursday college. is the goal. Monday is the college podcast. Thursday we'll try to do the. college podcast. I can't podcast, promise you we pro won't podcast. have someone
2: in between. Like I've got a, I've, you know, I've talked to Anthony Alfer, which we're going to put on another podcast. Also talk to Cody Reed. We're going to put that on a podcast too. So we got some other stuff. We're going to talk some players too. But we are, you know, we do want to remind you again: the Baseball America books. It's book season. Even if prospect season wrapping up, it is book season with the Prospect Handbook is out. You can get the Prospect Handbook now anywhere, but you still, it's the best to get it at BaseballAmerica.com/store.
1: I had a question the other day about Jeffrey Baez of the Cubs, and it's like, well, if you order the Prospect Handbook from us, you'd already have the scouting report because he was prospect number thirty-one. Go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store to order or call
2: 800-845-2726. For JJ, I'm and John. We're going now to a reminder. We're going to go to That's the... It. Well, we're going it. to here. Now, and here is Juan Hillman. Welcome back to the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. JJ Cooper, fortunate enough to be joined here by Indians left-hander Juan Hillman. Juan is coming off of a, uh, a solid pro debut in the Arizona League last year, second-round pick, out of... Orlando, Florida, and out of one of the uh, better baseball programs in the country. Juan, I mean, your team, you know, you're, for the couple of years you were at, at Olympia, but you, not just that, there's a tradition there at Olympia that it's, it's pretty strong, isn't it?
3: Yes, sir. It's pretty strong on baseball, to be honest. You know, I had a lot of few uh, high rounds drafted and a lot of few picks overall coming from all this year, and I'm glad to be one of them, to be honest.
2: I mean, did, That's amazing. Did, I mean you kind of have an idea I mean you had seen this you know with, with Nick and everything you kind of you kind of knew what this process was like I have to imagine I mean would did it help having kind of some friends you know some some guidance on on kind of what to expect and what's a, a obviously a, a pretty stressful process because we're talking about you know your future obviously
3: Oh yeah it was very helpful Nick uh, they, uh all the other guys just giving me tips so like just say, stay within yourself, just be yourself, and go out there and have fun and play and compete and uh, work hard every day, and it'll all be worth it. But what
2: they is rank. it? What is it like when you you get up there on the mound or you get out actually out in the bullpen? Even and you look around, and you realize, man, there there are a lot of scouts out here watching me. Well,
3: uh, actually, to be honest, I don't really like, you will see them, but you don't really pay no mind to them, because uh, going into the senior year, like, playing a perfect game all American and mm-hmm. all the rest the game, when I first put them out, actually going out to the perfect game, I was like, whoa, all these people, and I know most most of the people here are our scouts, I just kind of, like, tilt my uh, hat down and just focus on the battery, you don't really try to pay no mind to them, because if you do, that's when you start overdoing it, and overthinking, and I'm just Try to stay as much as I can away on it, so it helps me a lot. But just stays on in, and don't worry about the
2: scouts. But now, growing up, this is if if we were talking to you ten years ago as a kid, you would you wouldn't imagine you'd be right here, did you? You you weren't going to be a no. baseball player.
3: No, sir. I was strictly football.
2: What what position and did I, you play in football? What do you think was, you were going to be?
3: So I was actually a, I was a quarterback, and I, I took it very serious in football. And I don't like, not, not want like go out and do showcases with football because I, I didn't have a chance to do it last. I got out of it so fast. Like, I stopped playing my like, ninth grade year of high school. That was my last season playing so football. And then after that, it was strictly baseball. And that's when I knew baseball was for me. I mean I love football, it was hard right, to let it go, but I knew mean, baseball was the right sport for me, so I just stuck with it and I guess that was
2: the best thing for me. Yeah, how how did you kind of make that transition? I mean what was it that kind of made you, hey, you know, let me let me try baseball.
3: Uh actually growing up, uh, my mom had a friend who uh called me like they me. I played with his son in a uh, football. He was like, and you got it. this kid has an arm. He can throw the football because I was known to throw the football like slant routes and coach routes, throwing it hard across the middle, rather than throwing it deep downfield like hell there. So they were like, "Hey, time on the baseball field." And I went out there not knowing anything about baseball. All I knew was throw the ball to the catcher. So I was just throwing strictly fastball. And, and I was doing it. And I was throwing strikes, and people swing and miss missing. Every everything thing I just stuck with it.
2: So, I mean, did it take long? I mean, to kind of realize, hey, there there may be a future in this.
3: Uh, last part, I didn't really think it'd be like a future future until I say until my ninth grade year. Like last part, yeah, really, my ninth grade year. That's when I really, like, all right, baseball is will be my career, no matter what, college or professional, it will be. So, yep. I say around ninth grade. That's what
2: I knew. And, and my career. did you start doing travel ball pretty much, pretty soon after that? Or, or how did that kind of come about? With... Uh, I
3: started I started travel ball when I was 9.
2: Okay, so you've I been started, involved started, in it.
3: I started baseball and travel ball, yeah, when I was 9. So I started playing pretty late age compared to
2: everyone else. But, uh, and then that's why, I mean, you know, and obviously... Tom Gordon, I mean, he's been a, a very important part uh, of kind of this story as well. But if you could just kind of explain for people who don't really kind of understand, you know, what how important, uh, you know, uh, former big league pitcher Tom Gordon has been kind of to kind of help guide you, you know, to, to this point.
3: Oh, uh, being under his wing was uh, amazing, to be honest. Uh, giving me uh, the tips and what to do and what not to do, what to throw uh, situations to a batter, or what to do, like preparing yourself, getting your mind ready for the game, and off season and all that. Um, yeah, growing up uh, with Nick and him, and Dee, and everyone, the Gordon family. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, just having me stay focused and stay within ourselves, and keep getting after it every day, being there, to compete on uh, the baseball field. Like when I was when I was batting, hitting, and uh, pitching when he was pitching.
2: So pretty much stay competitive. Then that that helped us uh, get out there together and just want to be better every day. So was actually amazing and uh, a great, um, a
3: great time of my life living with them. And I still do this to this day. Yeah, now I gotta ask you. Okay, Nick's in the batter's box. You're on the mound. <laughs> who who, win, who wins that battle? Oh me. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick can I, hit. I, so, yeah, I know you. I faced him on. Good amount of time, maybe like three or four times so right now he he off me but I told him I
2: let him get the edge. So. that's what now i gotta I gotta ask you this is i I don't think you were there because I remember when I remember Tom being there when we were in uh Burlington with we saw Nick Gordon hit his first I think it was his first pro home run um you were you were I'm assuming you were back in in Florida at the time weren't you because I mean, I think that was, yeah, I was there. oh you were yeah, there? Florida. Oh, you were in Florida. Yeah, I was in Florida. Okay. Florida. Yeah, because I say I don't remember meeting you that night. You know, we met we met Tom, but uh, but that, I mean, you know, again, you, it's it's an impressive. I mean, D obviously had an amazing year last year. Nick's on the rise up, and and here you are, you know, now you know jumping right into it as well. So yeah. you you go through your high school season, you get drafted. For that first year, you know, that first half season, was pro ball what you expected was, or was it different? And if it was, kind of how was it different?
3: Oh, it was different a lot. I know uh, going into it, I was like, you know what? It's, uh, Yeah, everyone's good, but I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm just as good as them. So I went out trying to, like, over – well, not really overdo it, but, like, try to cast them up, throw them hard. But at that level, everyone can hit. Everyone can hit fastballs. Yeah. Everyone can hit your states. And I learned to just, just stay, just be yourself, and don't don't overdo anything. Cause you start overdoing it, the game will humble you and things like that. And um, pretty much, yeah, it was it was a big adjustment for me this season. And I'm actually happy that I went through that early and not later on in the year. So I was pretty pretty satisfied with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you when you kind of go out there. Is there i mean was there a moment that kind of was the eye opener like I mean hey, I thought that was my best fastball, and you know these guys can hit it, or I mean, was there any moment or was it kind of more of a gradual realization of kind of some of the adjustments you had to make
3: uh it was a moment and pretty much gradual, and I say the moment is when I faced the Dodgers you know the at their place first inch of the game, I threw a low inside fastball to the leadoff batter and he came out swinging hit a double to the gate and that that right there was like, okay, I realized, yeah this is different. So it
2: helped me a lot, though, and
3: I'm actually happy that I, yeah, like I said, I'm happy I went through it and experienced it. it just pretty much oh, now this year I'm more prepared, and I know what I got to do this
2: year to take care of things. Uh, the other adjustment is is how was it adjusting to kind of the, the pro routine, you know, every fifth day, I mean, kind of a little bit of a different, you know, schedule and all. I mean, was that was there a lot to that, or was that pretty – yeah, you know, not not much different than what you were used to.
3: Well, it, it wasn't really different. That wasn't really a factor. fishing was pitching every days so and uh, Like I said at Olympia, I was pitching uh, once a week or every, like every other game. So, yeah, I um, pitched what, 12 games mm-hmm. my senior year? And that's pretty much equivalent to what I was doing weekly to, uh, in pro ball. So, yeah, it wasn't really that. It was definitely uh, overthinking and all that things, all those things above.
2: Well, what, so what was I mean coming out of that? What was on the to do list for the off season? What you know? What do you want to be better really? Kind of when you show up in, in spring training than when you finished your uh, your 2015 season?
3: Uh, I say my, uh, of course my fastball and locating a little better, but uh, well hitting the inside half to the righty more often than just working away. So I'm fairly, I'm really comfortable throwing the ball to the righty or into the lefty. Put. Just me focusing on throwing an into uh righty and uh, my change ups, which is my, my favorite pitch to throw besides the fastball. Uh, just spanning fan on top of that and actually uh, mm. my curveball as well. But well, not, just, not just throwing the, the nasty 0-2 curveball, but, but, getting, right. but to throw the strike one curveball, strike two, rather than just throwing the only the nasty one. So that's been a main thing I've been working on as well like the top season. Uh-uh. And, uh, actually... And actually, in uh, Germany, I've been running a lot all season. getting my legs stronger and working my lower half. A lot as well as my upper body. So,
2: did you feel like did you wear down that. a little bit as the year went along, or did you feel like I mean, you know, was there some times where the legs weren't kind of as 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 much there as you you kind of hoped?
3: Yeah, I, I wore it out a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. I wasn't like I wasn't in the weight room, so it was like it was hard for me to just like just kind of stay. Stay, stay like on it on top of everything, my legs uh I'm just running, I usually like to do a few workouts with my legs and the weight when I fly or uh, leg press things like that. So yeah, I was pretty happy about all season so I can get back to it. So now I'm actually ready and uh I just like I said, I just have to keep running more and, and I'll be I'll be alright.
2: As you said, your change up you you really kinda have a lot of confidence in it. How how did you oh, yeah. how did you, you know uh, a lot of guys, especially if they got a good fastball, that's kind of the last pitch that comes along. How, how did you develop your changeup? I mean, when did you kind of find a grip? I mean, how did it kind of become something you could kind of trust?
3: I always, always threw it actually, and uh successful uh, with it pretty much. Just, so just uh, successful with it, and uh, just keep on it, and I take pride in my changeup, lot. So if I throw it 20, 30 times a game, I will. Because I'm, I'm not quite comfortable with throwing it, uh, confident as well. I throw it a three two count, I throw a two count or oh count. I'm very confident throwing it. So it and, uh, and, and, and lefties oh, and yeah. righties
2: for you, right? I mean, you don't mind yeah, throwing I'm, same side I'll throw or left, I'll, yeah, I'll throw it
3: the lefty or
2: righty. But. Now you said though the curveball though that's you know again that's been a little bit more development. It's not that you can't snap one off, but it is. I mean, it's kind of learning that feel for it and, and being able to kind of throw a different curveball depending on the situation, isn't it? Yes, sir. And
3: that's what I wanted to work on a uh, lot this offseason. I pretty much got pretty much got it done and down pat. So yeah, you little, You'll will you see it early or you will see it late, and that's that's been the main thing I wanted to work on and I got, I'm happy I
2: got that down so the other thing is is so you get to your first off season I mean it's a little different I mean it's something where what did you do I mean like what do you do kind of to you know to kind of I mean you're talking I mean obviously you're working out you're running and all that but that's that's not you know 15 hours a day kind of what did you do to kind of you know get through the months between the end of the season and the start of spring training uh, I
3: watched a lot of video on myself it's, uh as well. It's my, part of my workout. watch a lot of videos, go through mechanics, see what I was going wrong, if my arms dragging, or if I'm not pushing, driving off the mound, or using any leg, and I'm popping up too early and not finishing some of my pitches. So, yeah,
2: I watch a lot of videos as well. But, well, you mentioned, you know, you said, like, the first, you know, against the Dodgers, you know, first to batter, okay, lines the double. Was there anyone who really jumped out to you? I mean, were there, I mean, I know you're, you know, you're, you're focused more on, on hitting your spots and all, but were there any hitters you faced last year who really jumped out as man? That's that guy's going to be fun to watch. I mean, that guy's a tough you know a, a tough guy to face. Uh, yeah, uh,
3: Trent Clark from the Brewers. Oh yeah, yeah, Trent Clark and
2: uh, Tyrone Perry. No the Trent of
3: them got from the Brewers.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good team. That was a good team, but I mean Trent is a I mean he's got he's got an understanding of what he's doing at the plate. And with oh, best yeah, because yeah. yeah,
3: he can he can burn in on you and take off, it, or you can hit it down the line and take off, it, or hit it to the gaps. And he has power to so not one out uh, over the gate as well. Now, he's a tough competitor, it's not easy to get him out at all.
2: No, but no, you just
3: gotta go back there, just gotta
2: attack. You, you might get a reunion this year, and y'all might both be in the Midwest League, you know, facing each other again, which would be pretty cool. Um, yes, but you know, I mean, is there you know before we wrap up, are there you know are there some goals you have? I mean, do you are you kind of someone who you know, as you head to spring training kind of has some goals for the season, or or is it really more of just kind of the day by day?
3: My main goal, honestly, is um, just just stay stay myself and don't overthink it. That's what I caught. That's what I got caught up in last year, and uh, I don't want that to happen this year at all. I just want to be more relaxed and just. Stay confident
2: and stay focused and stay locked in and, and keep getting after it every day. But, Well, again, well, Juan, I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Good luck in, uh, in spring training. Uh, it'll be fun. Again, hopefully we'll run into you in the Midwest League at some point in the uh, 2016 season. Yes,
3: sir. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter.